All right, Rich, let's dive into it. What is the best strategies for families when it comes to investing for retirement? Yeah, let's jump right in. How you doing? So, um, so there's definitely a pecking order when it comes to saving for retirement, right? Or the order of operations, the types of accounts, you know, that might be most beneficial to you. And everybody's a little bit different. It really does depend on your current situation, on what your income is, what your tax brackets are, what might be most beneficial. But typically, for you know, an average normal family, this is kind of how I like to frame it out or how I like to start. When you want to save for retirement, like the retirement age is technically 59 and a half in this country, where you could start withdrawing from retirement accounts without any type of penalty from the IRS. Depending on the type of account, you might still owe ordinary income taxes when you pull money out. But 59 and a half is the magic number where you could start to take it out without that penalty. So the first type of account that I think is great, if you have it available to you, is going to be a 401k where you have a match, right? So that match is free money. I always recommend that people take full advantage of that match. Make sure that you are contributing at least the amount that gets you 100% of whatever your employer match is out there, right? Those matches, they add up tremendously throughout your working career where you just don't want to leave that free money on the table. So like some typical matches out there might be like, I've seen some good ones recently. Like I had a client where they were, uh, it was 6%, it was 100% of 6% of their salary. So you're making a hundred grand, as long as you put in $6,000 a year, they had a hundred percent match on that. So they would match $6,000 as well into your 401k. So that is, uh, that is nice, you know, to get that free money yeah, every absolutely. year. And you definitely want to take advantage of that. You know, the second account, that I talk about all the time that I love, but it totally depends on your situation and your health actually comes into it. And that is what's called an HSA account, a health savings account. And they have a lot of tax benefits, more tax benefits than any other account that exists out there. You know, I call it the tax trifecta. So there's a couple of things you need to know with the health savings account. So you want to do a little bit of research on it. But the main one is you have to have a high deductible health plan that qualifies. So if you have medical issues, if you're always going to the doctor and you have health insurance through work, then the high deductible health plan might not be the best bet, right? So what that means, a high deductible health plan, is that you have a certain amount that you have to pay out of pocket before any of the insurance actually kicks in for you. So if your deductible is $5,000 a year, that means you got to pay 5,000 bucks out of pocket before the insurance pays you out anything. So if you're always going to the doctor, that might not be the best bet. And you want to have a fat emergency fund to take care of medical expenses if you're going to have a high deductible plan. But with an HSA, what you're able to do is you could save money. You get a pre-tax deductions. So you get a tax deduction when you make yeah. contributions into your HSA, then you can invest that money, it grows tax free. And then when you take it out, as long as it's used for qualifying medical um, expenses, then that money comes out tax free. So it's the only account in the world where deduction going in tax free growth, tax free coming out. It's a beautiful thing. And there are tricks with it. You know, there's some strategies where you could let it grow for a very long period of time, pay for medical expenses out of your pocket, save the receipts, and then reimburse yourself much later on down the road tax-free. So it's a great way to save for health expenses in retirement or just even later on in life to be able to pull some money out tax-free by reimbursing yourself for medical expenses that you've paid for in the past. So I am a big fan of HSA accounts. Again, it depends on your situation, but I think that is a great way to get tax benefits and save for your future. Um, the yeah. third type of account that uh, that I love is a Roth IRA. You know, with the Roth IRA, 
that's an individual retirement account. So no employers, you know, you open it up individually, you can contribute up to $6,000 in 2022, their income limitations. 12,000 per family, right? 12,000 per family. Yep. Um, but there are income limitations. So depending on how much money you guys make throughout the year, you know, you um, that's what determines if you qualify for a Roth IRA. But with a Roth, you get no tax deduction up front. All right. Then you invest the money, you put the money into your Roth IRA. You could open it, you know, Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and you could invest in anything, basically. So you could buy an index fund, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, let that money grow. And then when you take it out in retirement, that money is completely tax-free. So it's a great way to save in that tax-free bucket for retirement. Yeah. I'm a big fan of having a nice big pool of money that's going to be tax-free in retirement. Um, and if you do that, young, right? If you do that, if you uh, max out your Roth IRA when you're young, you could basically, when it comes to retirement, you could just skim off the top, right? Exactly. Tax-free. Exactly. And, um, you know, kind of keep, you know, the, the amount you've saved, like the allotted amount, but you could just skim off the interest, right? Well, I mean, it, it's it's a beautiful thing. So, if, yep. especially when you're younger and, and, and you do it. So, I, I love that, the Roth IRA, but uh, continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, some other benefits with the Roth IRA are that you could also take out your contributions at any time without any taxes or penalty. So, not saying that you totally want to do that. But I do put that in like my pecking order of levers that I could pull in case of a real big emergency. So, for example, if you've put in 30,000 bucks over the last, you know, six years into your Roth IRA and now it's worth 50, if you had something that really came up that you need to get your hands on money, you could take $30,000, your contributions, you could take up to that amount out without any taxes or penalty. So just another added benefit with a Roth IRA. You know, the big thing with a Roth IRA <laughs> is that if you're in a very low tax bracket right now, right? So if you're just starting out working or if you're in the, you know, if your income, if you're in the 10, 12% tax bracket, it makes all the sense in the world to not take the tax deduction now, forgo the tax deduction, and then have that money grow tax-free forever and take it out in retirement tax-free when you might be in a higher tax bracket. Who knows what the tax bracket is going to look like in retirement with the way that we yeah. have, uh, you know, the exploding debt in this country. So, uh, so yeah, I'm a big fan of Roth IRAs. So for most families, I mean, those three things, that makes it up right there, right? If you could do your 401k, and usually what I'll tell people to do is you do the 401k up to the match, right? You hit that amount. If you could save more than that, and hopefully you can, and then HSA is something that fits into your world with a high deductible health plan, then I would do that second, right? Then after that, I would go to the Roth IRA and make sure that I max out the Roth IRA of 6,000 bucks. Those three things right there, most people, that's about the amount that they're able to save. But if you can yeah. go above and beyond that, then you circle back to your 401k and you try to max that thing out for the year as well. So those three accounts right there, that can make up the bulk of your retirement account. You know, the 403B plans or the 457 plans for people that work in nonprofits, those I equate similar to a 401k, right? So if you have a match in those plans and you would do those first, um, a, lot of four, a lot of 403Bs actually don't have an employer match or 457 plans. So you might want to do a Roth IRA before putting money into a 403B. It just depends on the plan and if you have low cost investment options and you know what the details are of the plan, which one might be best for you. But I do love that Roth IRA, you know, mixing that in as well. Then there's also a traditional IRA where you could do up to $6,000 a year. There are income limits on this where you could take a tax deduction for your contributions. So say, for example, you make under a certain amount, I forgot what that number is off the top of my head, but it's not very high. You know, it's like uh, somewhere around $100,000 a year. So if you make below that, 
then you can put up the $6,000 into a traditional IRA and you get a tax deduction for putting the money in there. And then when you take that money out of retirement, that's when you'll pay the ordinary income taxes on it. So it's just another account, but between the Roth IRA and the traditional IRA, the max you could do is that $6,000 per year between the two. So some people you could even mix and match. You could do 3,000 into each, 5,000 into a Roth, 1,000 into a traditional. It just depends on your income and your you know specific situation. But that's another type of account that you could save in for retirement. Um, but, you know, with all these types of accounts, it's like you have to be on good financial footing, right? So in the order of operations, if you have a lot of credit card debt, if you, you know, are living paycheck to paycheck and you're struggling, you have no emergency fund, those things have to take priority. You know, you got to pay off that debt. You don't want to be paying 20% on a credit card and then putting money, you know, into a Roth IRA. It just doesn't make sense. You got to eliminate that credit card debt first before you go over and you start plowing money into those, you know, retirement accounts. Yeah. Now, I, this is a really good basis is what you're giving people is it's a really good formula. It's simple. It's easy to use. The challenge, I guess, when you're a family, you know, a family of multiple kids, family of any kids is how do you do it all? You know, you have bills to pay, you got your mortgage, your credit card bills, your living expenses. You have uh, the duty of creating epic memories for your family, right? So you're going to be distracted financially by vacations, birthday parties, all this stuff. You have to invest in retirement. And then the cherry on top is you have to, um, you know, prepare your kids for college and, and try to save for their college. So how do we do all of this, right? So it's it comes down to a certain point where you got to try to figure out that balance on what you can control um you know and also try to give yourself a, a target a goal every year and and try to you know strive for that try to also become debt free because I, I believe it's the money guy show they say you get an army of dollar bills right so you have this this army right and you have you know and you need to give them something to do these the, every dollar bill that needs to have a purpose right so you're going to have your fun fund you're going to have your bills your retirement your kids um and you know also an emergency fund right so you want to set yourself up create this balance between you and your wife you want to be able to you know get that match max out that roth ira go back to the 401k um if you have the, the if you're going to do that the health savings uh, account also contribute towards that. So you want to, you know, kind of predict where you're going to be throughout the year and you want to focus on that. Um, do you also, what you want to do is you also have to make sure that you're set for, you know, when you're 59, you know, some, I guess the numbers are 59 to 65. You want to make sure, you know, you're going to be pretty self-sufficient, you know, for that. Um, one thing, you know, I, I always kind of get kind of uh, thrown off by is with a, a lot of people that are very, mathematically um you know sophisticated when it comes to um investing a lot of money and they, they over invest and they burn themselves out um you know and they're mathematically winning but they're not winning the the mathematical game of age so just be careful that you don't burn yourself out because your kids are only going to be five years old once so you got to make sure you know you don't lose out on those memories because you're over investing um you're mathematically going to win but guess what we're all going to die one day, right? So um, math will work against you um, when you're, you know, 59 and got a million dollars, but you're going to feel like five dollars. So be careful because you're going to get older, and um, don't just overwhelm yourself when it comes to that. Um, you know, I, I, I've come close to death, and I've had brain surgery, and I've overcome a, a rare medical disease called Cushing's disease, 
And uh, I've I almost basically have died uh, a couple times. And um, you know, I'm I'm 39 years old, and I went through it when I was about 37 years old. And um, you know, I, I had I had a real challenge, and um, you know, I really kind of was touched by you know what really matters. And it's really just being secure, living that balanced life where you don't abuse the spending, but you also don't abuse the investing. And you live that good balanced life where your kids are able to have memories why you know they have the imagination and you're also to have memories when you're older and you know when you're looking to do things when you have free time but you don't want to abuse both of those you know situations and you you want to create that balance but also the balance that works for you not because someone's telling you not because of a, a video you saw on YouTube you want to take bits and pieces from all these people that are giving you the advice and formulate your own kind of balance for you and your family so that that usually kind of really is starting to help me as I'm trying to develop my balance and it changes every year. My life changes, my lifestyle changes, and I try to tweak my balance. I try to meet with my wife. I try to discuss what her goals are, what they've changed, what she's accomplished. And I try to kind of create that formula and we keep chipping away at it every year. And we keep, you know, developing new goals, accomplishing certain goals, and then creating, you know, new things that are going to better us now and in the future. Yeah, I mean, you just touched on so many good things right there. Um, but one thing that jumps out at me is like, everybody needs a financial plan, right? When you sit down, you come up with your own financial plan, you determine what is the right amount for me to save every year? Where do I want to be saving? Where, what are the right types of accounts for me? How do I set it up where I could automate it and make it easy so that it's just happening automatically, right? Pay yourself first, get it out of the way, and then have yeah. that discretionary money left over where you could go and you could take vacations and spend guilt-free because you already know that you hit the goals that you had set forth in your plan. Um, a couple other accounts that you mentioned in there, like the 529 plan for college savings, right? Another type of account that I always talk about is what I coined the midlife crisis fund, right? So I personally did this because I would find when I was working with people, everybody's so focused on the now and retirement, right? So you want to make sure you're on good footing now, you have your emergency fund and that you could live day to day and enjoy life. And then you also need to focus on when you're going to retire because nobody's footing that bill for you, right? Pensions, few and far between these days. So everybody's hyper-focused on retirement and on right now, and you forget that middle time in your life. So yeah. I did proactively start saving in a brokerage account when I was in my late 20s, early 30s. And I'm happy that I did because when I turned 40, I did kind of have a midlife crisis. And I was very miserable at work and I didn't want to be there anymore. And I wanted to take a big leap of faith and do something different and start my own business. And the only way that I was able to do that was by saving in that midlife crisis fund. So it's, it's important to plan for all different aspects of life and, you know, not go crazy on the retirement savings, not go crazy on, you know, spending now and enjoying, you know, all of your income now, right. You need to find that balance, like you said, but yeah, you got to enjoy life all the way through, you know, you don't want to be a miserable SOB, uh, you know, going through life and then you're a multimillionaire when you're 60 and then you drop that at 62, right. That's no way to, yeah. uh, no way to live. Yeah. I mean, you know, have you ever seen a 65 year old at, at Disneyland? with their with their uh 25 year old kid yeah it not is, exactly it doesn't hit the same as it does now for me being you know in my late 30s with my kids that are five so yeah. um you know but you know it's just you want the balance is, is so key um i'm glad you uh you smartened up when you were 20s but I, when i was in my 20s i was still stuck on stupid 
And um, <laughs> so, but uh, I, I've smartened up since then. And, and now I'm starting to kind of, you know, focus on that financial balance with the investing, the paying off debt. So it's very key. It's very key for your your happiness for, for now and in the future. So it's, you're not, you're also investing in a peace of mind. And sometimes that's even better than financial. So um, definitely lay out your plan and, and start, start setting goals towards it. Um, the, the next topic um, I'm hearing a lot of, everyone's, try, everyone's talking about this magic number. What, what's, what is the magic number that you should try to hit when you're 59 or 65? Um, you know, you might roll your eyes at, at this because, you know, I, if you have a magic number, please let me know because, yeah. you know, I, I'll set the goal and, I, and I'll try to hit it. Um, but is there really a magic number? And if so, what the hell is it? Yeah, there's definitely not a magic number in my mind, you know, but the number that people will throw out is I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the 4% rule, right? So what the 4% rule is, is that you need to accumulate enough money in investments in brokerage accounts and retirement accounts where you withdraw 4% in that first year. So let's say that you're going to retire at age 60, right? And you need $80,000 a year to live. Right. If you're going to do that, then that means that you need to have a portfolio. You need to have assets that you could draw on of two million dollars. Right. Because if you take four percent of that every year, that would be eighty thousand dollars a year. So this four percent rule, it has been back tested all the way since, you know, the beginning of the stock market where highs and lows, no matter when you would have retired, even if you retired right before the Great Recession or right before, you know, the dot com bubble and very terrible markets and you started having to withdraw from your funds. It's been tested that like 99% of the time, that money will still last you up through age 90. All right. So that's kind of a rule of thumb that people use, but it's not the only way to go. You could just do that to see, to get a gauge, right? So the way you back it into that number to try to come up with your magic number is you have to look at, you know, what is my retirement going to look like? How much is it going to cost me to live, right? Am I going to have any debt at that point? Am I going to have a mortgage payment? What, what is it going to look like? So hopefully you could go into retirement where you have no debt, you have no mortgage payments, right? Maybe you're going to be living, maybe you retire, you go down to Florida or, you know, who knows what, but no mortgage, right? And then you see what your monthly expense are. How much does it cost you to live every month? So now for us, we're young and inflation is like absolutely insane right now. So it's hard to know how much life is going to cost us every month. So I kind of always use, you know, $10,000 a month as like a rule of thumb, you know, for in the future, maybe it'll cost us 120 grand to live in the future. So oh whatever God. you come up with that number is, then you got to figure out, you know, you got to divide it by that 4% and see, well, how much money do I actually need to have accumulated in order to be able to live on that for the rest of my life? But you do have to take into consideration income that you're going to have outside of that. So hopefully we're all going to have social security as well. So if we retire, you know, social security, maybe 65, 66, 67, at some point during those years, you'll be able to turn on social security and hopefully it'll be there. I think it will still be there for us. It might just look different and maybe we're going to have to wait longer before we could actually start taking social security, but that's a big part of people's retirement plan, right? So social security. And then if you're going to have a pension, if you're, you know, a teacher, a fireman, um, some kind of municipal worker, you're going to have a pension, then you have to take that into consideration as well. So you have those incomes and then you got to see what the gap is. What is that gap? And then how much money do I need to accumulate in order to fill that gap where I feel pretty stress-free that it's going, that I'm not going to outlive my money. Cause that's a big worry with people who are in retirement right now is they don't want to outlive their money. And then you get into situations like this, where the market is down, you know, 30% and they're hesitant to pull money out. You know, they're like, you know what, I'm going to, uh, 
I'm going to tighten up for this year and try not to withdraw as much as I was withdrawing in the past. But the problem is we have very high inflation. So all of these are unknowns. And the rule of thumb, that's all it is, is a rule of thumb. You got to figure out what's right for your situation and do the best that you can. But yeah, unfortunately, there's no magic number. You know, it's hard to back into that magic number. And that's another reason why I love real estate and investing in real estate, because I look at that as building my own pension, where if I have, you know, single family homes where people are paying me rent and hopefully they're going to appreciate over time and the rents go up with inflation. So it's almost like an inflation hedge as well. And I kind of look at that as my pension and retirement, that and social security, and then whatever money I'm able to accumulate in retirement accounts, you know, that will fill the gap in there. But, uh, but yeah, there's no, there's no formula for everybody and the numbers look different and, um, and it's just not the easiest thing to plan out. So it's like, you got to try to do the best you can. And, you know, time is always on your side. So the earlier you start, the more time you have to build these account values up. But, um, but the amount of money you spend, so I've done thousands of retirement plans for people throughout my career. And the biggest number, the biggest variable that makes such a huge difference is how much money you spend every month in retirement. So somebody who spends $8,000 a month compared to somebody that spends $5,000 a month, the difference, it is tremendous for how much money you need to have in retirement. There are people, again, the world is very different right now. So people who've retired in the last 10 years, it looks very different than for us in retirement. But for people who have recently retired in the last 10 years, between Social Security and the pension, you know, a lot of them have their expenses covered. So then it's like their retirement accounts, they could look at that as their, you know, enjoyment money, their party money, I used to call it, where they could take that money, you know, the first 10 years out of retirement, we call them the go-go years, where you could go travel the world, take your grandkids, you know, go have fun and go do stuff. Then you get into the slow-go years where you slow down a little bit, you know, you're still enjoying life, but a little bit slower pace. And then you have the no-go years where, you know, you're not really doing too much anymore. Once you get up into your 80s and your 90s and everything, um, but it's tough for our generation and younger because social security is a wild card and pensions are gone. So it's like, you got to save the money on your own, you know, and, uh, and it's at the mercy of the markets and it, in investments and everything. So keeping your expenses as low, as low as possible, it is a way to reduce the stress. You still want to live and have fun and be able to spend money. Right. So it's not like you want to live, uh, you know, spending no money every month in retirement, but, uh, but that does make a big difference. You know, what retirement looks like for you. So, so many moving pieces, so many variables that go into creating a retirement plan and just trying to figure it out. But when you're young, just realize the earlier you start, the better it is. Sock that money away. You know, your future self will, will thank you very much for it. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to do the math of getting a magic number to, to retire on, and it just it never works out. My, my goal is to really never spend the money that I'm investing in and to have it passed down to my kids. And all I really want to do by the time I reach 59 and a half is really just skim off the top. And um, psychologically, I don't really like to chip into my savings, and I, I just don't like to see that number go down. So... I don't think I'm going to have, you know, I think I'm going to have the same philosophy when I retire. I'm going to, you know, if I've worked 25 to 30 years to achieve that number and uh, I see, you know, chip away 10,000 at a time, you know, and and, and the, the interest is not, you know, making up for it. Uh, I'm, I'm psychologically just the way that I'm built. I'm not going to like to see that number go down. Plus, I want to have something to pass on to, to my next generation and generations, uh, you know, moving forward. Yeah. So my goal is to really kind of just skim off the top live very minimalistic as much as I can, reduce you know my living expense. So I just became 100% debt free. So really, I currently only live off of 2,500 a month um, and I can make it 2,000 if, you know, if shit hits the fan. 
Um, so I'd like, you know, keep it minimalistic, keep very low and just skim off the top, live a nice, easy, simple life um, and, and try to kind of contribute to, um, you know, my kids and their kids future. So my magic number is really just to skim off the top. It's, um, you know, and I'm just trying to figure out ways to kind of do that. Um, and, you know, and and the number that I'll, I'll have achieved, that's really going to be an emergency fund in case there is something impulsive or or something impulsive I want to do, like go on a big $10,000 vacation. Um, it's not really going to hurt that much. But, um, yeah, so I just really kind of wanted to just pay me uh, every, you know, every month or whenever I need it. Um, and I really kind of don't want to worry about racing to or or getting to the zero and, and, and hitting zero by the time, you know, I, I can kind of predict when I'm going to, you know, pass away and kind of, you know, kind of slowly go down and just kind of, uh, you know, eke it out until I die. That's not what I'm, I'm going to be doing. Uh, I'm just going to skim off the top. And uh, if, if ever need be, uh, I'll hit it. But um, that, that's really going to be my magic number is to just say, you know, for every hundred, I mean, for every million dollars, if there's 7% interest, could I live off of that, you know, and, you know, it, or, you know, if, if um, that's not enough, you know, what do I need to achieve to start living off that interest, you know, around the average interest, I'm not going to say I'm going to make 20% interest, I'm going to do a low percent just to kind of make sure that I'm not disappointed. But, um, you know, I think that's gonna be my strategy. Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, when it comes to the, the magic number, um, I, there's, there's, there's another magic number that, you know, I think is, can, can be uh, achieved and, and that's coming up with the magic number on how much you should invest a month and every year, uh, you know, based on your salary. Rich, do you have any advice on, you know, what, what percentage families should be investing in or, you know, how much should they be investing in? I'm sure, you know, you're, you're able to just bu budget, you know, personally yourself. Um, you know, what have you had success with or what have you seen people have success with when it comes to setting that budget just to invest in every month where they're on that nice pace? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's difficult because it so depends on your personal situation, your income, your expenses and what it all looks like. Right. So there's a term out there called savings rate. And that's really what you want to focus on. And if you could start out of the gate with a very high savings rate, you know, there's a very popular blog out there called Mr. Money Mustache. And he retired early. Um, and one of his most famous blog posts was, you know, the simple math to early retirement, where he goes through the savings rate and how much you would have to save out of your income every year in order to retire early. And the key to all of that, again, is just keeping your expenses very low, right? So if you could save, for example, let's say that you make, you know, hundred grand a year and you're able to save $40,000 a year between investment accounts, 401ks, IRAs, you know, emergency savings, brokerage accounts, that's a 40% savings rate, right? So in turn, what that means is that you're only living on $60,000 a year and you're saving 40%. If you're able to save that much, then early retirement is in your future. The average American, you know, saves less than 5% of what their income is. So it's very difficult to save because inflation's so high. We have so many different things pulling at our money. That it's just very difficult to save for the future. So again, it all comes down to you personally. But what I love to do is just build out that framework. And it's part of a financial plan, right? So if I'm working with somebody creating a financial plan, it's like we try to come up with that number. Let's say it's 20%. I think 20% is a happy number, right? Where if you're making 100 grand a year and we determine that, you know what? We really need to focus on saving at least $20,000 
a year out of that. So there's $80,000 left to live off of. What does your budget look like, you know, that we could make those numbers work? And then for that $20,000, how do we divvy it up? What are the right accounts to save into? So we don't want to put it all into a 401k, right? We want, we might want to do a Roth. We might want to build up emergency savings. We might want to be saving for a down payment for a house or for a big purchase or whatever the case may be. So it's hard. You know, it's like you have to really know your stuff. You have to know your numbers. I always call it turning the lights on, right? You got to know your cash flow coming in, your money going out, your budget, what it all looks like, how much it costs you to live every month, and then how much you could actually save. But you want to automate it, right? You want to come up with that savings rate off the bat, and then you want to automate it, send it out so you make sure that you're hitting those things. And then you get momentum. You know, you start to see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel that you could do this, and it forces you to live on less, right? Because you've already committed that money to your future, to your investments, to getting out of debt, to savings, whatever the case may be. And then you try to increase that, you know, so when you get raises, you just increase your savings rate. It goes directly into your savings rate instead of, you know, getting the lifestyle creep and, and spending more money on BS that's not going to mean anything, right? So yeah. you keep things tight, you increase that savings rate. But that savings rate, that is a great number to focus on when you're trying to look at, you know, financial freedom and being able to retire early and all of those types of things. You got to have a very high savings rate. And that means you're doing well financially, right? If you're able to save, you know, like Mr. Money Mustache, I think in, the, in that blog post, I mean, it was like 60% savings rate. So living on very little, saving a lot, accumulating that money. And then you reach that point where it's like, you know, I could walk away from my job right now because uh, my living expenses are very low. I have no debt. And I have these big piles of money that I've saved up through the years where uh, I could go do something else, maybe take a much you know lower paying job that I love and enjoy part-time, whatever the case may be, start my own business. Um, that's uh, that savings rate. That's a very important number to focus on. Yeah. And when when you save money, it shouldn't be you shouldn't have the thought process of all right, what should I buy with this money? It should be what could I invest with this money, right? Try to you could skim off the top of it, maybe you know keep fifteen percent of you know some stuff that you saved, and you know have a little fun with it. But try to invest most of it. Really try to kind of do a set a goal. Um, back to what what Rich was saying earlier, max out your Roth IRA. You know, do you do your match? You know, the, the max contribution of of what your company is matching. Match those things out. If you just do those, you're pretty good. I mean, there's not really. I've never seen anyone that has done those two things and they're living broke. You know, I, and still have to work. Uh, so, if you just follow that simple strategy and then you know set a goal. Once you're comfortable with doing that and you're making more money and you're seeing you know a little bit more savings come through every month. Figure out new ways to invest it, right? Take it a little bit deeper. Um, you know, 25% of Americans today don't have no, they have no retirement. Don't be one of those 25%. Yeah. Because you're just setting yourself up to fail. When I was a, a little kid, my grandmother, she used to work at Stewart's, which is like a uh, like a fast food joint where they come out on roller skates, right? She was 70 something years old, out on roller skates, still working. What the hell? She didn't. She was. She was one of those twenty-five percent that did not, you know, save towards retirement. I'm not going to be the dude on roller skates. <laughs> as to, you know, it's 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 funny, but you know, it kind of it, it pisses me off a little bit. Is that I wish that she could have lived out her last years of her life not on roller skates, serving people hot dogs and hamburgers. Yeah. It's not really what you're meant to do, right? It's okay, you know, about 12% 12, 12 of people still still work after retirement, but make sure it's about passion and, and fun and, and something that you'd like to do and keeps you healthy and, and keeps you, you know, alive and talking to people. Don't do something that you're going to wake up and not want to do. 
save while you can, invest while you can young, because you don't want to be that person that has to still get up in the morning and go to work and work for the man and do something that you hate because you made a bad decision because you bought something that is now in the garbage, has now depreciated. Make sure you save. You're, the best thing you could buy for yourself is to invest in yourself. So make, make sure you do that, create that balance, and you know, you're going to be able to find your rhythm where you're going to see, all right, I have this much to go towards you know, retirement. This is almost like a bill now. I'm going to treat this like a bill. It's going to be a boring. It's going to be predictable. It's going to come through. And then when I have something left over besides that, I'm going to figure out the next thing I should do. And I'm going to take that, you know, and, and try to invest it and push myself and educate myself to kind of, you know, move forward and, you know, set myself up for retirement. So try to do these things. Try to create a routine for you and your spouse. And even teach your kids to do it as well, young. Because if they do it younger, that, that dollar is way more powerful than your dollar in at age 40. So, um, you know, try to educate them as well. Yep, exactly, exactly. So I guess wrapping it up, Rich, is there any kind of tips just in general? You know, something quick that somebody could really kind of just get the ball rolling. And a lot of these families, especially with inflation, they're ignoring their retirements, you know, I, you know, it, it's just, it, it's unfortunate. What's one thing if they, if somebody could take out of this, what's one thing that they could just start doing? Yeah. My best advice is go to Fidelity, open up a Roth IRA, start with a hundred bucks, you know, put a hundred bucks in, set it up where you could automatically have it transferred over on the first of the month, hundred bucks a month, just get in the routine of doing it, especially with the market being down 30%. This is a great year to start, you know, investing in the Roth IRA. Right. So it takes you five minutes to set it up. You could link your bank account, start sending the hundred bucks over. You could pick a large, you know, very uh, broad index fund like a Vanguard total stock market index fund or Fidelity has their own version of a total stock market index fund where basically you're just buying into the whole U.S. economy. Right. The biggest companies, the like 5,000 companies in the Vanguard total stock market index fund. Right. So you're just participating in the growth of the U.S. economy. I think that's the easiest thing to do just set it up yeah. get going and then start educating yourself you know then learn more about the stock market or even real estate different ways that you could invest uh, for your future but just getting the ball rolling that's the thing to do you know just taking the, the first step of setting the account up sending money over that'll get you going yep totally agree that's that's really good advice and to top that off and, and kind of something else you should do to, to build on what you what rich was saying about educating is i would really suggest read three finance books pick three pick three different personalities different types of um, ways to invest someone who's about paying off debt someone who's about investing um you know they have um rich dad poor dad dave ramsey pick people that are way different educate yourself read three books or follow three different podcasts that have different mindsets and then take little bits and pieces of that and formulate your own sophisticated financial plan and to, to and, and do what rich is saying when it comes to investing you know with with the 401k with the roth ira if you do that you read three books you're going to be well on your way and you're not going to be one of the the, the 25 percent that is, is not investing and is going to be working. So, um, you know, that, that would be very key for you, uh, you know, moving forward. But that, uh, that just about wraps it up, though. So thanks a lot for your time, Rich. I think this one was really good. 
So everybody, when you're done watching this, done listening to this, go invest, learn more about it, make it a hobby, have fun. Yep, get started, right. go do it. All right. Take good care, everybody. All right, be good. Bye-bye.